0: John and Joanna Bramberg, are you here? Where are you? There There they are, right there. Okay, so this, you don't even, do you know who it is? (laughs) Okay, John and Joanna were youth pastors here at Jubilee for several years, did an awesome job for us. And then a few years ago, the Lord led them to plant a great church over um, in the Southlands area, which is like Smoky Hill and C 470. And God has blessed them, done a quick work with them, which is the word. That the Lord gave um, when you guys launched the church, and now he's put in front of them another incredible opportunity. They uh, they moved into a storefront and have just outgrown the storefront, and um, a building, a church building, that uh, it's like turnkey, right? They didn't have to go through... <laughs> So, like we were the windshield, and they get to be right behind the windshield, so but that is exactly what um, what should happen and so, the Lord has set before them this awesome building they got it, closed on it they 're raising the money for the rest of it right now and um, Johnna Joanna, you know, even when we were um, trying to get our church, these guys gave to our church you know here 's one of our our sister churches that went out and turned around and have blessed us. And John had texted me earlier and said, hey, we want to come and celebrate the new building with you and um, and just be a part of it. And I just wanted to recognize them and tell them how proud we are of them, how proud we are uh, of One Life Church. Um, just thank them for the ministry that they've done. I'm going to get John to come back and preach in the next few months and uh, just share what God's been doing there. And, and Joanna, he and Joanna do ministry together and have just done a fantastic job. So it's good to see you. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'll see you out in the foyer. Uh, afterwards and, and get a little time with you, but we love you. Now you can give them a hand and let them know. Love those guys. It's awesome. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, um, we just don't have a chance to, you know, always talk about these things, but of some of the churches that Jubilee has been involved with in planting, um, Pastor Bob, Pastor uh, John, and also Pastor Evan, and then uh, Jubilee. All four of us ended up with new buildings in just the last few months. I mean, that's a, it's an unusual thing to have it happen with one church, but to have it happen with four is just a neat thing in our community. God likes Denver is what it bottom line. He likes Denver. And he's moving here in Denver, and just proud of all of those guys. Good, good things going on there. Um, okay, here's what we're doing. We'll jump into this. Uh, it, it's a new series. It's not going to be a super long one. We have a plan for three. It may go four. We'll, we'll, it'll be the, the series for the grand opening, and then maybe we'll do it one week after. And I called it, if I could, I would. If I could, I would. So I want you to think about that real quick. And that sounds almost like looking backwards and being sorry when you look like, if I could, I would change something. But here's the reason I wrote it. I don't think we're supposed to dwell on the past. I think Paul says, uh, looking forward, right? Looking ahead and letting go of what's behind me. I press on for the prize, for the mark that's in Christ Jesus that he wants for us. But I do think while we're living this life and while we're here, one of the things we're supposed to do is to be learning. Yes or no, right? And so that when we have experiences in life, we are to look back on those things and like, okay, what did God want me to do? Did I do that well? Did I not do that well? I, I, and maybe you never even think about it. Maybe you're just like, I, I never pay attention. I just keep moving forward at such light speed that it never even bothers me. But I, I, it, I don't live that way. I try to think in terms of like, Lord— How how did I do in this situation? Could I have done that better? Were there things that I learned in that? Am I growing? Does that make sense right there? And I think that that's good. I think that's what the Lord wants us to do. So we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. It's important right now because I'm thinking about how, how we together collectively went through the process of acquiring a building, selling hours, having an interim period, coming into this, moving on to, you know, to to press on to the things that God has for Jubilee. But how did I do that process? Some of the things in the process I feel like I handled really well. And some of the things I don't feel like I handled so well. The waiting process for me in the last little bit was not, I've done better. Anybody else? Can you say that about your life? Done better, right? So I I think one of the things that the Lord uses is that instead of just standing up here and acting like everything's perfect, that I did it perfect, I think being uh, open and honest and transparent helps people. I think when we realize, hey, we all struggle with certain things, we all go through certain things, we all feel certain ways, God uses that, and he brings us together when we can share those things. So that's where this comes from. So this weekend, I'm going to talk a happy life. Here's my opening sentence. A happy life isn't life without struggle. Wow, I didn't think I'd get any amens on that sentence right there. It's true, but it's not maybe an amen sentence. So let me say it one more time. A happy life isn't a life without struggle. In fact, listen to this. This is a proven issue, not just because I'm saying it, but even as I studied over the last couple of weeks looking at this and gathering material, I saw this over and over, uh, in, and not just um, not just Christian. Uh, uh, ideas and, and, and Christian literature and Christian books, but even just in the world at large, people who have a good perspective on how you live life have come to recognize, listen to this sentence, that the more you pursue no problems, the less satisfied with life and life in general you become. I, and I lost some people in that one right there. So the more you pursue no problems, the less satisfied with life and life in general. And so a lot of times we actually pray, God, I don't want any problems. God, keep me from any problems. Keep me from any danger. Keep me from any trouble. Anybody pray that way? Oh, man. I'm going to have to make me work that hard tonight. Just Like, even if you don't think it's true, say amen for the poor pastor up here. Like, it's... You know, I just admitted it's been a tough time. Take it easy on the pastor for tonight. All right, so um, so life without struggle, uh, the more you pursue no problems, the less satisfied you are with life. So I think that God uses problems. I think problems are a part of life. I think to pray, hey, God, I don't want any problems. And maybe it's a, uh, a wishful type prayer, but I don't think it's a real prayer. Because I think that, that life, a part of living life is that there's blessing and there's also struggle. And God is in both things one more time, God is in both things. Do you agree with that? Like, if you don't agree with that, then a lot of our lives is spent going through things. Where's God? If you don't believe that that's true, do you just believe he abandons us suddenly, or he's only in the positive and the good things, or can God work through anything? My Bible says he uses everything, all things, right? And he uses it for our good. All right. So, um, when I was studying, I read two things that really stood out to me that I thought were really interesting. Uh, pastor John, You'll want this one, right? Because it might be right where you're living right now. Uh, you've heard of the term post-traumatic yes. stress syndrome. Okay, here is a term that is out there right now that people are recognizing. Listen to this, post-traumatic growth syndrome. And the point is this, that after trauma is when most people end up growing. That you go through something and it's when you go through the struggle that you actually grow in life. You don't grow through the blessing The blessing, the way that you're able to enjoy the blessing is that you gain the maturity to handle it through the struggle. So if you're praying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. What are you actually praying then? Some of you are like, I'm only praying that he blesses me faster. I'm not praying. But the truth of the matter is, if you're praying, God bless me, God does want to bless you. But in order for the blessing not to become a curse in somebody's life, there has to be the character. There has to be the discipline. There has to be the ability to be able to stay in the open door and not have the open door be something that becomes a curse in your life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So post-traumatic growth syndrome. I thought that was interesting. And then the other one that was really cool. And I... I um. David Melson, and I, Pastor Melson and I, had done a golf trip one time to Pebble Beach. And one of the places we played when we were in Northern California was a place called Winty There's a vineyard, a golf course in the middle of a vineyard. And Northern Cal obviously has a lot of vineyards, right? And so when we were there, one of the things that Winty Vineyards is famous for is that their grapes are like this incredibly good grape that makes this awesome wine. And the reason is because the soil is so difficult for the grapes to grow in. The harder that it struggles, the better the fruit is. And do you know that the Bible compares us to a vine, a branch, that's supposed to bear fruit? And that if we bear fruit, God's blessing is that he proves us so that we bear more fruit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I try things out on Saturday and then refine it for Sunday. So right now, you're helping me on what Sunday's going to go like. And I have a good memory to be able to whittle these things down. So I, I read this this week. Uh, I saw that thing, but I read this this week when I was gathering material, uh, and this was this is from a vintner uh, up in Napa, Sonoma, right, which is a beautiful area. I've never been there, but it's a beautiful area. Uh, I've seen pictures of it. I know that people take vacations there, a- and it's known for what? For its wine. How did you know that? <laughs> Ryan, I hear you down there. All right, so this is what the guy said. Makes a very famous wine. Um, I think it was like Annie Greensprings or something like <laughs> that worked for you, Pam, but not for everybody. Everybody else is like, what is Annie? It's a cheap one? Never, never. Okay, I will not do that one tomorrow. What's a good wine? Opus One. If you could afford it, that's a good one. Did you notice how you're the only one who knew Opus One? You all act like... I'm- No idea, Pastor. Never touched my lips. Lie, lie, lie. Boone's Farm. (laughs) Dude, did you grow up around New Orleans in the 70s? Because that's where that was at right there. Okay. This is what the guy said. Make things difficult for the vine by restricting the water supply, making nutrients scarce, pruning it hard, crowding it with close neighbors. <laughs> and it will take what they call, I guess vintners call it the hump, which is where it grows out of the ground and then goes up and spreads. That is called the hump right there, right? I, so I learned this this week too. So if you do these things to it, you make it difficult, you restrict the water, you make the nutrients scarce, you prune it hard, you crowd it out with close neighbors, The vine will take the hump and instead of devoting itself to growing big and sprawling, which is not what you want. It's what we pray, but it's not what you want. You leave a vine to its own self, it'll grow big, it will sprawl, but it produces terrible fruit fruit that's not worthy of the process. And we are compared to that in our lives. It's one of the illustrations that the Bible gives for believers that Jesus is the vine and we are the branch and that we're to bear fruit. Apart from me, you can't bear any fruit. You can't do anything. But in me, you are required to bear a lot of fruit. And Jesus even describes some of these processes that if you're bearing fruit, my Father will prune you so that you get even more fruit. So that when you pray, God bless me, you're praying for an end result. So here's my question. Is God in the process too? I know for sure he's in the end result. I mean, like standing right here right now, John, you are so close, bud. Joanna, you are so close. You will get the fruit. But the process, John shared a couple of things with me that I'm not going to share, but I I just wrote him back real quick. I said, "I, I know exactly where you're at right now. And I said, it's all, I think I even wrote to him. God's in the process of what's going on right now. You'll get... To the product, it's part of the great thing of serving the Lord. We get the fruit, we get the blessing, but He's as much in the process as He is in the product. Do you believe that? And I think the maturity in Christ comes when we can see God in the process as much as we see in the product that I got. That He's as much in the struggle, He's as much in the difficulty. That part of what we go through is not because God is angry or mad. And so that when we think suddenly like, hey, God has left me or God's not faithful to me or God's not answering my prayers or moving on my behalf. that It's the enemy taking advantage of the circumstances of struggle. And if we grow to the point where we see that struggle is a part of the process, that God's in that as much as he's in the end part of it, the fruit part of it. He's using that to draw you close to him and for him to draw close to you. For you to grow and to know this is just part, I'm going to get big fruit out of this. When you get to that part, it's, you can stand there. Oh, I, But then, so the, if I could, I would, was looking back and saying, God, did I go through the process as well as I wanted to and as you wanted me to? You know the great thing? God says he's faithful, and even when we're unfaithful, he'll never leave us for us. He's going to get us to the fruit no matter what. But the amount you produce and the quality of it is predicated on how you go through the struggle too. It's just a part of growing up. So if you want to do the fill in the blanks real quick, the first one is just simply enjoy the journey, and that may sound like I mean, Pastor, come on, God really want us to enjoy? Yes, say this with me: enjoy the journey. Enjoy your life. Do you think that God wants you to enjoy your life? means your life's supposed to be a burden, a curse, and it's only heaven that counts. Or does this count here and now? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote in Ecclesiastes: "There's nothing better under the sun than for a man or a woman to enjoy their life, the life that God gave them, and the thing that they found to do with their. How good is it to enjoy?" To enjoy what you, to not always be trying to get someplace else or hurry through a process or be wishing you could just, I wish I was there. Yes. How good is it to say, I'm enjoying right now, even if you're struggling? And yes. like, is that even possible? Enjoy the journey. Yes. So Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13. You can read along with me. So I, I concluded there is nothing better than to be miserable <laughs> hate life. I mean, how many of us live that way? Not out loud, but just like, uh, look how simple this is. What a blessing from God. I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And I don't think he's saying, enjoy it once you get to the thing, the goal, the, the marriage, the children, the, the, the success, the retirement, whatever you, you qualify or, or classify as, this is where I'm aiming for. I don't think our life becomes interesting once we get. In fact, I think you'll waste your whole life if you're only aiming to get to those places. God wants you to. The majority of our life is spent trying to get to those places. Yes or no? And God wants you to enjoy this moment, this thing, this time, this in-between space, as much as the good place. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can, and that people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their what? Their labor. For these are, look at it right there, what are they? It's a gift from God to enjoy your life. To not just be trying to hurry through it. Get to the next thing. Worried about, I'm, I'm behind. I'm not where I want to be. Nothing's happening the way that I thought it was going to happen. My life's not going the way that I want it to go. God wants you. It's a gift from God to say, God, thank you for my life right now. Yes. Yes. To enjoy it now. Hmm. So I, my little way of saying it is God is in the process, not just the product. And this week I had a conversation <laughs> With our kids. We had a couple of birthday parties. Our Isabel, our oldest grandchild, sweet sixteen. Our actual birthday's tomorrow, but we celebrated it last night. Sixteen. It goes by so fast, man. I look at pictures of a you know, my first grandchild. And now six. I told Chris, we are definitely getting older, my love. It is happening. It's not like, you know, our, someday we're gonna we are older. My wife is not even looking at me, as I say. (laughs) She's taking notes. (laughs) You know you're doing good if your wife takes notes on your message. So we had a couple of times where we just got together as a family this week, and it led to different conversations. So in Amy's backyard and Ryan's backyard last night, talking to Daniel and Holly, talking to Kate and Jay, and they were talking. Uh, last, Last Sunday after church, no, Saturday, we went out to eat with, uh, Jane, and Kate and the kids. And Katie was talking about the process of um, when I was a young father putting my kids to bed. Any of you have fun with that? Or did you just like do it as fast as you can so you can get back to the TV? Let's <laughs> be honest about at it. least what we do. We go through it. So I, you notice how they got the lights? They're getting, dawn. <laughs> they're getting better with this. It was, week by week, we're gonna be better and better. All right, so we're talking about um, just that process, and I think there were times when I would rush through it. And we had five, and Amy, the oldest, right? You know, the whole thing is when you, the first one wants to stay up later than the rest. Of, and every family is like the oldest one wants to stay up later, so that's like the privilege of being old. And she was like so grew up quicker. And I would put her to bed when she was younger and tell her stories. But Amy was just like always; she was so quick to grow up. But Brent and Katie, and then David and Daniel. They loved for me to come in and tell stories for them, and I created. Tara, I know you do this. I created this Jack and the Beanstalk story that was just so. I put my own twist on it, but the part that they all loved is that when the giant would fall from the beanstalk, I would do it. Ah, ah, ah. He, he fell a long way, and the kids are like, and they just, ah, and I, I'd lull them into this, and then suddenly I'd go, bam, when the giant hit the ground, and they'd all scream. Ah, and then laugh out of control, right? And do it again, Dad, do it again, do it again. So I just, man, the relationship that I have with my children now, listen real quickly. I want to give you a secret. So people look at our family and think, okay, it's automatic because you're pastors. <laughs> How many pastors we know whose children are messes? Messes. So they hated the ministry or hated their mom and dad hated what ministry did to their mom and dad. Part of that was parents talking about problems that they should have never talked about in front of children. We tried to keep ours as innocent for as long as possible. Maybe somebody thinks, is that reality? They're only kids one time. They'll be adults forever and dealing with problems forever. Keep them innocent as long as you can keep them innocent. But the relationship that we have with ours today, that they want to work with us. It's, yes, it is special and it is rare. And I know I have taken some criticism where people have said that's nepotism. Start a business. Yeah. Try to find good people, people who are loyal and people that work hard and work cheap. Try. Yeah, for a period of time. Who said (laughs) that? Up to a point. (laughs) It's a blessing. So all I'm trying to say is the relationship that we have. You know, like I'm looking at families that are sitting with children tonight. Mm -hmm. How good it is to have your children with you in church tonight. That they want to be with you. That they love the same Jesus that you love. How good is that? And if you're struggling with that, that's not condemnation. I'm not putting that. How good is it? Those relationships, listen, the payoff was not they turn twenty one or twenty-five and then you get to work together. The payoff was all the process, all the stories. Katie, Kate, I don't know if you're in here right now. How, is she is Katie in here? Katie was like putting her to bed was an event. That literally, it was an event. We'd have to do butterfly kisses. We'd have to do Eskimo kisses. We'd have to just everything. Then she'd hold on to me, and I'd have to pray for her. Pray one more time. I've got one more thing to pray about. All right, this is getting old. Come on. A, come on. How many problems can you have? You're four. Come on. Let's, let's get to the. But enjoying that and laughing about it. And then when I'd leave the room, she'd grab my leg, and I'd drag her to the door. Like, every night it was like this. Every night. It was my job? right was to put them to bed that's what I did and made an event out of it and my goodness they talk about that now so we go out to eat last week we're sitting oh blinking light is that where we were at oh blinking light and Katie says tell the kids the jack and the beanstalk story so we're sitting at the table and I tell them the jack and the bean and we get to the falling And I'm loud, and I mean, people are looking like, what is that guy? What's wrong with him? Ah!" And then I slam my hand on the table. Bam! And the kids all, ah! And then they laugh. Tell us again, Papa. Tell us the story again. And they bug me every day. Tell us the The process. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit you in the head with my elbow. (laughs) It's a good thing I know some people. Never going back pastor elbowed me um just the process is is precious the things that you don't think are important or that you think are just like menial or we're just getting through the fruit is awesome but the process looking back is as sweet as the fruit is right now don't bypass the process god moves as much in the process and it moves slow in process too by the way you can't look at a kid and see a kid grow but suddenly you turn around and they're grown and that season's done and you can't go back and do it again but if i could i would so what can we learn right now so that we can enjoy the process the payoff is wonderful and we all want the payoff the fruit's incredible pray that god blesses you alec you want god's blessing in your life but the process is the road to the blessing. Does that make sense? Mia. Uh, let me show you a picture. Chris and I took five of the little ones to the movie. Uh, here, yeah, we saw the minions movie. So the two little girls and the three little boys. Look at those. totally to make. Look at their tongues. How do you think they got colorful tongues? The papa and the nana are allowed to dump as much candy down their throat as possibly can be. All the cliches are true. Wire them up and then drop them off, right? That's the deal. Honestly, uh, Chris and I, when we got done, I said, how, how did we do this? And then I said, how did we do it with Amy's kids who are they're older? I said, well, were we just younger or what? what, what? How did we do this? It's just, it's hard to do it. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. Whenever the music, if you haven't seen that movie, it's set in 1976, which are my stomping grounds, right? Yeah. You know, I'm 13 years old in 1976. <laughs> and the soundtrack was all, you know, it was all music that I grew up with. And the kids didn't know it, but as soon as it came on, they'd all jump out of their seats and start dancing. Dancing. And then people in the movie theater are laughing at us, like, what are those parents doing? We're grandparents. It's okay. And my personality is, hey, sit down. But then you dance. Dance, children, dance. Enjoy this as much as you can possibly enjoy it. Life will be serious soon enough. Yes or no? Enjoy this process. a little silly movie, but enjoy this process. Guys, we had such a good time. Tired. Noisy, expensive, but so worth it. (laughs) How about this? The journey is more fun when you're on it with a friend. Going through the process by yourself is really tough. I've got the best partner in the world. But I have the best friends in the world, too. People that have walked with me, hurt when I hurt, rejoiced when I rejoiced, prayed. Church that's done that for me. I'm so blessed. What was said in worship tonight, it's so easy to talk about all the things that are wrong, all the things that you don't have. My goodness, we live first world problems like they're third world problems. My car broke down. Oh, it is tough and it stinks, but you have a car. They messed up my order at the restaurant. But you ate. You. I, I won't bang on that. But. Man. Enjoying the journey. I, If I could I would. If I could I would over the last three months have enjoyed it a lot. It just. You know what I could have done. I could have took one heck of a vacation. Because we were online. We couldn't meet together. And if I'd have known. When it was going to end. I could have gone on one magnificent vacation. But instead, I was afraid to leave town. Literally. Oh, what's going to happen to my church? What's going to happen? Right now, it's just such a tough time. God, the enemy's got our church by the tail. God, how big is my God and how big is the devil? Maybe that's the bigger thing. I make him so big and I make God so small sometimes. Here's the second one if you're taking the notes and you want to see it. Just to find the win. And I know that almost sounds like a self-help thing, but I don't mean it that way. 1 Corinthians 9.24. I think this is exactly, if Paul were saying in modern vernacular in 2022, if he were teaching the lesson, or if he were writing this letter again, he would use modern vernacular. This is what he's saying, but he just it's, it's written 2,000 years ago. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to what? Win. To find the win. If you're going to do it, do it to win. So what is, what's the win? What's the win for you? John, what's the win? Molly, what's the win? Why are you doing what you why are you going through what you're going through? Why are you working? Why do you come to Jubilee? What's the win? Why are we doing, what, what, what's the win? Okay, so just real quickly. For me, this is, I put in my notes for John Leach. This is not everybody else's. It shouldn't be yours. Maybe it could be yours, but it has to be something that God puts in your heart. But the win for me is that I serve my Jesus. That people know Pastor John is about Jesus. He's not about a building. He's not about a vision. He's about Jesus before he's about anything else. The building is cool and it's fun to have. And there's a lot of good things that are going to come from the future with it. There's a lot of ministry opportunities. But the win for me is Jesus, my Jesus, making my Jesus more famous Making my Jesus, we prayed tonight, they said it, we were praying, God, be enthroned in the praises of your people. And God, let this be an epicenter, a place where it can ripple out from here. We don't want to be part of a ripple. We want to be the thing that causes the ripple. Do it here. Why not here? Why not now? Why not you? Why not me? Why not Jubilee? Why not us? I think desire is just such a big part of that. And you bring my Jesus, my wife. To go through all of the stuff and not keep this intact is to fail in my mind miserably. And that's not to define anything for you but for me. To make sure someday, listen, someday, next year will be 25 years. 25 years. I am proud of that. I bless the Lord for that. And I pray that the Lord will give me more. Nothing is a guarantee. But someday... I will not pastor Jubilee anymore. And when I'm done, that is what goes with me. Chris and I will have to walk away together. And to walk away and to not have her with me is the biggest fail that could ever happen. And then my family, my Jesus, my wife, and my family. My family. Guys, one thing you can say after 24 years, you know it's true or it's not true. Either I'm saying it and I don't mean it or I do mean it. My family is a priority above ministry and above money and above everything else. My family has to stay intact too. And then my friends, which my church, I love my church. I love my friends. You are important to me. And I always think like, God, did I do that the right way? Did I say that the right way? Am I leading the right way? I always keep this thought inside of my head. It all pastors get judged double in the judgment. You go through one time. We go through twice for ourselves and then for what we did with you. And I'm always cognizant, not afraid, but respectful of the idea that what I say, what I do, how I treat you, how I counsel, how I respond to people is all a reflection of, is Jesus first in your life, John? Does that make sense? Right? Be judged on that. So defining the wind. Uh, Proverbs 4.23. How many times I've used this scripture in church I, don't, I try to put it in almost every week. I may not use the scripture, but I'll try to say something about the words. Guard your heart above all else. Why? That was pretty good, but let's do it together. Guard your heart above all else for? The direction of your life right now, according to the scripture, is what's happened in your heart yesterday. If you don't like where your life is going, the thing to change is what's going on in your heart. The heart is what's producing the life that you're living. It's not producing like the struggle. That's not, that's life. But what's happening during the struggle, your response to it is what's going on inside of your heart. Thank you for that huge amen right now. So the implication is you're responsible then for your heart. Yes Yes or no? Guard your heart. And here's the prayer we pray. God, please guard my heart. I' prayed that for years God guard my heart and here this scripture says above everything else guard your heart you're responsible for your heart what you let into it what you don't let into it Wow I maybe I need to spend some time I don't know is that coming across what kind of people are like I don't know if I like that what don't you like the life what's happening the responsibility me telling you Okay, here's the win then. According to the scripture, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Here's the win. To live life with a pure, which means tender, caring, warm, passionate, free, and an innocent heart. As I make it through life, the win for me is to have a heart that's still tender and innocent. And that is so, any adult in this room, how hard is it to have an innocent heart as you get older? How hard is it to feel innocent about this world, about what's going on in government? We fill our lives with such bitterness and ugliness, and hate. we say things about people, and we say things about our president. And I didn't vote for him, but he is our president. Hello. Thank you for that huge, passionate, powerful, we're with you, preacher. Whether you like it or not, the Bible says that no authority exists except that has been ordained by God. And our responsibility is to pray for him, even if you don't like him, because if we're not influencing him, the Holy Spirit's not influencing him, then the enemy is. Yes. Think about that for a moment. And we just give up on that? I, it's Come on! Be involved in the process. Don't wait uh, just four more years and we'll get out. Come on, man. How do you get through with a heart that still... Politics had become the religion of the church today. It really has, man. It's become the thing that people are more passionate about politics than they are about Jesus. And I will not, don't write me, because I'm not backing down. I won't apologize. I won't change my mind. I'm not wrong. I'm right, and it's why I'm pastor, to be honest with you. Amen. It's the truth of the matter. And it's not a political statement. I'm not made, I'm not about politics. I'm not about politics. I am about Jesus and your heart being innocent so that God can use you and you can move through this world as a person whose heart is innocent. You can't, you can't hear from God when your heart is all full of junk. You can't, you're not reading the Bible right. You're not interpreting it right when your heart is full of bitterness and unforgiveness and just, just the, the stuff of this, the enemy is like, if you'll let it in, the enemy will start feeding you so much. So that the thing that gets squeezed out is the word of God and the hope of God. Like if you are so sure that God's done with America, who are you listening? Is that God or is that the enemy? Yeah, it's the enemy? If you are so sure that our best days are behind us, is that God or is that the enemy? Where do you see that in scripture? So where's our hope at? And to feel in the morning when you wake up like this is, this is good. Life is good. Yeah. Dude, don't die before you're dead. So many of us do that so early in life. We are, you're still moving, but you're dead, man. Your heart is dead. And the Lord needs to bring revival to our hearts. And I am i want you to know right now, I'm praying so fervently, God, capture my heart fully again. It just gets so full during the process, it can get so full of the junk. And it just got full of junk, disappointment. Some, disappointment's the mother of a lot of bad theology. Because instead of holding the disappointment up to what God says, we move God down to where our disappointment is. And then we want God to explain my disappointment. Worship me anyway. Praise me anyway. Trust me anyway. Keep raising funds anyway. Never be in that position. I don't know. It's the one thing. If if nothing else, it's that one thing, if we could recapture that innocence in our heart where God could just breathe on it again and refire it, that would be the epicenter for what would ripple out. It will never be how much ministry we produce and how much money is given and and all that. It will be those people's hearts are on fire for Jesus. That'll be the thing that makes us absolutely contagious. And that's the thing that none of us can, God's got to, but we're responsible to guard it and protect it. Last one, like, don't worry. I have a PhD in worry. Anybody else? Do you feel like it's like the 13th spiritual gift and you, that's the one that you got? Like there's 12 in Corinthians, but you got... This other one, and you just, you're good at worrying. I'm great at worrying. I'm great at strategizing all the things that could go wrong. Dan, I can just, dude, I can worry, man. I can worry about worrying, which is what, I actually wrote that in my notes. So listen to the scripture that Jesus gives. This is Jesus's words. Therefore, do not worry about (laughs) You're taking away a lot of my free time. Of course I'm going to worry about tomorrow. And Jesus, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, that's true. But apparently the day's trouble is not enough for me. I need tomorrow's too. I need a double anointing of worry, apparently. So I read this scripture. I write this down. I, I put down the words, don't worry. And then I begin to worry about the fact that I worry too much. That's psycho in some way. Something's not quite right about that. How about this? I've wasted too much of my life worrying about tomorrow. And tomorrow always took care of itself one way or the other. Yes or no? If you've lived long enough, you know it's true. I wasted too much of my life worrying about tomorrow, and somehow tomorrow always took care of itself. It wasn't because I always prepared for it well because of what Jesus said. Tomorrow we'll take care of it. Chris tells me all the time, we have enough today, John. We have enough today. Isn't this enough? Well, yes, it's enough, but... But. Big butts. (laughs) I'll I'll refine it by tomorrow morning. (laughs) You know, some people actually come to Saturday night Because they like the fact that I don't edit before I come up here and preach. It's what they like. They like, he said big butt. I don't remember anything else he said, but that was awesome. Chris gave me a word. Do you remember this? Early in the planting of Jubilee. It was the first year. We were meeting in a school. And the offices that I could afford and find, John, you'll get a kick out of this. They're not even there anymore. They tore it down. They condemned it and tore it down. And it was a construction business that the guy, they were from New Mexico, and they had come up here to do. And, and they were really big in the 50s and the 60s. But by the year 2000, they were on the downside. And so the guy goes, we're going to close the business down, but until they tear it down. It's where uh, Top Golf is. Okay, where Top Golf sits right now is where our office was located at one time, and it was a construction company. So I rented this office as a huge building for eight hundred dollars a month. Is what we could afford. What the guy did not tell me is that every mouse and moth in Denver lives there. And literally, if you have ever seen an invasion, and they're worse than mice in some capacity. I mean, they. Never mind. I won't. I won't go there. But I would sit in that building. And I had a phone installed. This is the day before cell phones were just ubiquitous, right? So I had a, I had a phone line installed. And, and the guy put the phone's like, um, is this about to happen? Or, I mean, what's going on here? I'm like, no, I'm just renting this office. We're a church. And he's like, this is going to be a church? Yeah, it's going to be a church, wise guy. And so I would sit there and pray. Oh, God, let the phone ring. God, why won't the phone ring? God, it doesn't matter to anybody. If we close tomorrow, nobody will even know we were here, God. All these prayers I was praying, that I'm sure the Lord was like, you know, hang up on John. Don't, <laughs> don't listen right now. He's just worrying about tomorrow. And I would go home and I would tell Chris, nobody calls. Nobody nobody cares what we have to say. It doesn't matter to anybody. What have we done? Can we get our jobs back at rest? What have we done? And she, after listening to that for, I don't know, a week, my wife had a word from the Lord. I think it was from the Lord. It was certainly from her, I know. Um, It was from the Lord. (laughs) And this was the word that she gave me. She said, enjoy where you are today. Because the time will come when you'll wish you could go back to the simplicity of the day. You'll wish that the phone wasn't ringing all the time. You'll wish that people weren't trying to get an appointment all the time. You'll wish that you would have enjoyed the day of small beginnings. Do you know that the Bible says that we're not to despise the day of small beginnings? The day when you're, it's a rest place sometimes. Things aren't going on because the Lord wants you to rest a little bit. And we can't rest well. Anybody. I never rested well. Till this day, I'm 58, and I still don't rest well. If things slow down, I get nervous. Why am I like that? Why couldn't I turn the last six weeks into an awesome time off? Why was I so sure that there'd be no church when we got our building finally? Terry would send me text after text. I got so sick of Terry's text. Good news, Terry. Terry. Good news, Terry. First text in the morning was, Terry, you are an awesome leader. The Lord has anointed you. I never followed up better. And I'm like, I hate this text. I, I'd send him back, like, thanks. <laughs> then I'd have to apologize a lot. Thank you, Terry, for encouraging me. Never give up on me, man. Keep encouraging me. He sent me an awesome one this morning. But I'm in such a good place right now. I'm like, you're the best guy in the world. God sent you here. (laughs) Zechariah 4.10. Don't despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see a work begin. Yes or no? A work begun is as important as a work completed. A work begun in your life as as important as the day it begins to produce fruit. The work begun is not to be despised. It's to be enjoyed. It's to be appreciated. It's to be thankful. Wherever you are in life, thank the Lord for where you are in life right now. And if you go, my life sucks right now. Dude, thank the Lord for your life. You're still breathing. You're on the right side right now. Right now. You'll be on the other side soon enough. Yeah. You know what they say? This is life. And nobody gets out alive. True or not? We're so hurry to get there. And it'll be. Heaven, but you're not in heaven yet. And God wants you to enjoy where you are right now. It's a blessing to be where you are. It's a blessing. And if you're like, if I could, I would. Okay, so think about what we're saying, but enjoy the place that you're at right now. And Solomon said, there's nothing better under the sun than for a man or a woman to be able to enjoy their life, the fruits of their labor. Just the simplicity of your life. And gosh, when we lose that thing, we're not grateful to be alive anymore. Something's happened that's just, it's probably a great indication of what's going on in our heart. Agreed? What do we do with it? Whole thing's done. So what what do we do with it? It's just about our hearts and it'll always be about our hearts. Always. Pastor John's not wrong about this. When I first started pastoring the church, I was 35. 34 and I used to think oh man I don't think people that have lived life longer than me that I can pastor them I don't think I have anything to say to them I think they know more than I do and they've lived longer and they've done life better and the Lord would say but I chose you so you're going to have to get up there and lead whether you feel like people want to hear it or not now that I'm close to 60 right I used to think there would come a day when I'd feel like I'm, everybody will respect what I have to say. I still feel like I'm 34 years old and that people in here have far more experience, have lived far better lives, done far more, but God still picked me. And I'm still responsible to say what's true, not to back up from that, not to be afraid of that. And to trust that the Lord can use what I'm saying because it's, it's his word, it's not mine. Where are you at with this heart thing? Because what's going on in your heart is producing the life that you're enjoying or not enjoying right now. The one thing I waited so long for is to be able to do this right here. I'm so thankful to be here doing this right now. I don't want this to end. It's like the one part of my job I never want to end. I know the anointing when it comes on me. I know how good it is when God speaks through me. I know what it's like when I know the Holy Spirit is like, just go for it. Don't shy back. Don't go. I'm with you. I know what I'm saying is right and it's true. It's the heart. It'll always be the heart. It's the heart in marriage. It's the heart in friendship. It's the heart in working with each other but mostly it's the heart and serving God in that place when we're just so thankful just to be here and to love God to have another chance to think, if I could, I would if I could, I would, I'd love God better okay, that's what we're going to do then if I could, I would, I'd be more appreciative okay, and that's what we need to do if I could, would I would, I'd just stop and be thankful for right here, right now. Losing moms this year has been a tough, tough thing. But I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful I'll see her again. Thankful. Thankful to be standing in this aisle. Thankful to have pastor friends here. To have friends that you've done life with for a long time here people that you love. just thankful. God, do this in us, huh? It's that we're thankful. I think if we'd just be in that great place, so much could happen in our lives spiritually. And I think we're all praying, God, move in me, God. I think this is a key. Just our hearts before the Lord. And if you're just like, I just can't be that simple. It is that simple. Above all else, guard your heart. For your life story is coming out of your heart right now. And what would you change if you could, you would? What? Enjoy life more? Love more? Laugh more? Worry less? What would you do to get to choose right now? Don't die before you're dead. Can that be our motto for the rest of 2022? Don't die before you're dead. Jesus, we love you. I love you so much. I'm so thankful. God, I'm so thankful. I look around this room and I see so many people that I love, God. And I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the relationships that stretch back a couple of weeks. And I'm thankful for the ones that go back a couple of decades. God, I'm thankful for people... That came to hear the word tonight and that are motivated enough right now to say, okay, God have all of my heart. God change my heart. God correct my heart. God help me get the things out of my heart that don't need to be there. In that last song, when we worship tonight, it was said, if you just don't feel thankful, Repent, that should never be an offense to us. To repent is the best thing in the world. To be able to say to the Lord, okay, I don't want to keep going. Repentance allows us to get on the path of life. To move away from death and get on the path of life. I want that for you. Desperately, I want that for you. I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to be thankful. I want you to let God have everything. I want you to enjoy your process. I want you to quit worrying about tomorrow. And I want you to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Father, you can have all of our hearts. Sometimes our hearts get so divided on so many different things. God, gather it all back together. Give us a unified heart that's whole before you, that's right before you, that's tender before you, that's innocent before you, that's guarded before you, that's open before you, that knows the difference between life and death so we know what to let in and what to keep out. If I could, I would. You can and you will. That's what my Bible says. You can and you will. You don't have to live with if only. He's the God of but now. Not if only, but now. But now turn your hearts to the Lord. But now surrender your life. But now, God, you can have everything. God, thank you. We love you. Lord, work this inside of us. Don't leave us to our own devices. Work it inside of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.